When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. You can't win anything with kids. I will love it if we beat them. Love it. How much are the players looking forward to Arsene Wenger arriving? <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of the Phoenix Five Show. Today, there's three of us today, it's not the Phoenix Five, it's three today. We've got Paul McGrath and we've got David Holland. Um, as you well may have known, um, it's, uh, lockdown is literally finished, so we've got a couple of lads that are not involved down the pub, obviously, drinking. But um, we thought we'd still bring you an episode anyway. The Euros are playing at the moment, um, we're well into it, but we thought we could still go into the nostalgia of um, European Championships and more. So this is literally an off-the-cuff episode. And I think we're going to name it off-the-cuff. So as it's Euros, and it's a 90s and noughties podcast, we're going to start with the Euros. So um, we're all born in the 80s. We grew up in the 90s. Our first European, European tournament would have been the 1992 Euros. And then I don't think many of us have uh, remembered that one. I do personally, but I'm going to start with Paul. Paul. 1992 or 1996? What was your first European tournament you remember, right? And can you tell us a bit about it? 96. And I remember being in the um, White City Club um, playing football in the back when it was the England-Scotland game. Oh, uh, and that was the first one. And then, uh, yeah, the, the England-Scotland game was the first one I remember quite vividly. Mm. And obviously being knocked out uh, soon after against Germany. I remember being yeah. in the White City Social Club and it was like a... You know, every penalty was bated breath waiting for it, and that was that was the probably the only tournament that 2000, uh, yeah, between that and 2002, the only tournaments I really cared about. After that, I, I lost a bit of interest in England, I just felt mm. it a bit boring watching international football generally. I, I think I said it on the last um international pod we watched, I'm just not a massive fan of international football, although watching this tournament, I've watched I would say 90% of the games on this one, I've, I've quite enjoyed it, uh, yeah, more than the normal. When you say you didn't care about it, it was, is it a case of not caring about the 90s European Championships or you just wasn't interested or 
it just wasn't on the te- television as much. It wasn't in the papers. On obviously, we didn't have social media in the nineties. Was it a case of not caring, or you just didn't know enough about it? And I'm talking about United Two, United Six, and the New Two Thousand. What? What? Can you elaborate on that? Six. You know, I don't. I, I don't know. I just wasn't. It was on TV, obviously, but I just never had a massive ability to watch it. It yeah. wasn't something that I was kind of enthralled to watch, and it was generally on the summer. Whereas, you know, being a, a you know eight, nine, ten, eleven year old, you're out all the time playing. You know, during yeah. the summers, you're not in indoors watching the game as you are when you're slightly older by choice. You're out on on the football pitch playing football or playing run outs or whatever. So, uh, at the younger age, I was at ninety six. Was probably uh, what was I then? Uh, it would have been about 14 yeah 13, 14, that's yeah. when you start really taking in football from about 12 onwards where you start you know Holland your, your boy's the same now what, how old is Alfie is he uh, uh, he's, ten, he's 10 now he's 10 he's, it's, it's, take, it's taking this long to get into it yeah and he watches it because you you watch it with him whereas if he was out of the pub it will be on now because he's got the bug for it obviously but I think years ago you know my old man was either working or, or wasn't really around um, to watch the game so I would be out on the street playing football, or whatever. Whereas mm-hmm. at, at that age, I was then consciously choosing to watch England for that that ninety six period. Yeah. So, Dave, um, I've obviously Paul's pointed at you. What was your first European Championship memory you remember? Was it ninety two or ninety six, or was it further on, mate? No, no. I know, I know about ninety two, um, but ninety six for me. I think I've gone about it before. So, my dad's Scottish, as we all know. England, Scotland, he's on one sofa going mad for Scotland. Mm. I'm on the other going mad for England. It was just, it was brilliant. I love Euro 96. I think I've said it before. The reason Paul doesn't, um, is not interested in England because he's a glory hunter and he only likes to see teams win. And where England don't win nothing, that was him lost interest. <laughs> and, um, so, uh, yeah, him being at United, you know, glory hunting. That, uh, that explains, that's, that's Paul in a nutshell. Oh, I tell you, look, another thing. I come in yesterday and Alfie's watching the Maradona documentary. Without me, <laughs> downloaded it and watched it. Was watching it. That's unbelievable. It's but, unbelievable. Um, no, no, you're a 96 for me. You're a 96 for me. I loved it. Loved you're a 96. Did you see that goal? Who scored? Tillemans. Absolute. I think it's Tillemans, wasn't it? Absolute. Oh, for Belgium. Yeah. Absolute cracker. Sorry, fans. This is an obviously nice, naughty podcast, but Paul's actually commenting on a 2021 live goal. Paul, can you explain the goal for us, please? We're not going to edit it because this is live. What's going on? What's happened, mate? I don't know. I got what's the replay. I think Tillman's taking that. Well, we don't know. <laughs> so, he sounds like Chris Kamara. <laughs> I don't know, Jeff. <laughs> the, the ball's come back to the centre. It's been played out on the left-hand side of the box. Tillman's taking two touches. Right foot, Bosch. Bottom right-hand corner of the goalkeeper. He's got no chance. Absolutely. Lovely, I like that. So what's the score, ball. mate? 1-0 to Belgium. Absolute. Okay. Belgium who? Against who? Against Portugal. Lovely. Belgium won, Portugal 0. Who scored? I, I, I couldn't see who scored it. Hold on. It's not Tillemans. You said Tillemans, no? I thought it was, but no, I think it's the other fella. Um, oh, my God. Chris, come on. Let's edit this out. Um, <laughs> no, it's... Tillemans has got that in his locker, though. He's done it in um, the Hazard. FA Cup final. It was, um, it was Torgan Hazard. Torgan Hazard, sorry. The better Hazard of the two now. Yeah, the bet has on the two now. Absolutely mm. right. <laughs> Go on, carry on. Sorry, mate. Anyway, lovely. Yeah, we've had that commentary for the 2021 Euro Championship. That's live, by the way, fans. Uh, let's go back to the 90s and noughties that we're talking about. Back to you, Paul. We sp- briefly spoke about the 90- Euro 96 Championship. It's the first one you remember. Um, 
apart from England, um, what other teams and what other players do you remember from the 96 tournament who actually sort of um, came to your mind and said, wow, he's a fantastic player. And he followed him through their career, i.e., for me, it was like Pavel Nedved for Czech Republic, you know. Dave might be somebody else. Who who did you take out of that tournament that you followed basically through the rest of their career? Yeah, uh, well, uh, Karol Babalski obviously won. Um, he had a, a good tournament. Uh, David Sucker uh, had a very good tournament. Um, Stoikov, 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 how do you pronounce it? Yes, he showed Stoikov for Bulgaria, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mateus Sam. I mean, that, yeah, it was a. I think that was the first one again that you started getting a real. Obviously, watching football Italia, you you knew some a lot of the Italian players, but you got a chance to see other players mm. from other countries that weren't in the Premier League. And then, obviously, that summer was really the first summer where you got a lot of people being signed on the back of a tournament. I don't yeah, remember any other. Again, I didn't watch a lot of tournaments before, but I, I think '96 was the pivotal moment where you had a good Euro, a big club could come in and sign you, and I think that went on historically for 10 years or so to about 2006 you could have a good six game tournament and you'll be signed by a club um and obviously Suka was i think was he top goal scorer in 96 i'm sure he was is that right as this is off the cuff i don't know i do remember scoring a few goals paul so like i said the, the viewers can um or the listeners sort of say can correct this but i do remember him being he scored more than two i, I think i remember that but yeah, you're yeah, right um yeah. coming to dave um paul's mentioned davos Suka there dave he signed for your club arsenal um do you remember Davos Suka, amongst others, being um, the sorts of players that you remember from your United Six that you follow, thinking they were world-class, etc.? Yeah, yeah, Davos Suka. But when, as soon as you said this, uh, Poborski come to mind. Remember he done that uh, that lob? That, who, did he, was it, who did he lob? Was it Schmeichel against Denmark? Was it Schmeichel he lobbed? I think so, yeah, from memory, Dave. I think it was, yeah. All right, yeah, so he popped his way, but then he, he wasn't great at United. Paul, Paul will argue that he was all right because we've had this before. But yeah, he come off the back of it. Like mm. I said, I remember the England games and stuff. And I remember, you know, England playing Holland and stuff like that. Cliver being being good. He's, I think Cliver scored against Scotland to put them out. Um, yeah. And things like that. So, um, yeah, we watched... Portugal, Dave. The lob. It's against Sorry. Portugal. It was what, against what Portugal. he lobbed? What, what, it was, uh, he lobbed uh, Victor Bailly. Yeah, I did think that. Because, I mean, Michael has made every team we've ever put in. He couldn't have got lobbed like that. No way. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I loved you in '96. But we 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 went back and watched it, didn't we, during the first lockdown and stuff? And yeah, um, and you you know when you watch it back, I, I would have rather not watched it back because I liked the memories I had of it as a child. Because you watch things differently, football differently as a grown up. You know, so um, I like the nostalgia part of it. But, yeah, great. Um, from for me, for me, uh, Euro '96 will always be the tournament of tournaments for me. I don't think it never, never be top for me. Um, mm. I know you can go back and say England didn't play great football against Switzerland in the first game, but when we when we beat Holland four one, that was amazing. That was fucking mm. amazing. And uh, so, and like I say, you don't look at you when you're a kid. It's everything to your football. So that's why for me, Euro '96 will never be beaten. Dave, do you think <laughs> then? Because obviously the Euros are now. Do you think uh, England have progressed since Euro '96 to now? Uh. I've got. Uh, I don't think. I think they're the same. I think it's all expectation and nothing ever comes of it. Now, I, I was thinking about England as it is now, and I say we got. It's always England on paper for me. England on paper should have done this. The the so-called generation. England on paper, but they never do. And you see, you see, you look at Germany now. You can't name one world-class player in their team, as we speak now. But they're a team. 
And it ain't about one player. And that's this is the thing. You've got all your Foden's, Greenish, they're going to do all this and they're going to do all that. And, uh, and you know, they're not, let's get it, I, I, they're not going to win this Euros. And, it's just, and in 10 years' time, we're, we're still doing the Phoenix Five. We'll be in our 50s. And we'll be just talking about this team as we did any other England team. All, mm. all on paper, you look at it on paper, brilliant, but nothing ever comes of it. But well, do you think the style of football, in terms of the progression of football, how they play football, Graham, this is to you as well. Do you think yeah. England have progressed as a footballing team from 96 to 2018 or 2021? Sorry. Okay. All right. Let me keep it brief, obviously, because I'm hosting today. No, we haven't because you haven't won anything. So it's relevant. So, <laughs> so Dave, as it's off the cuff, let's move on swiftly. Um, Dave, you did mention Schmeichel because we're going to go into a, a, a loads of topics here because it literally is off the cuff of a nice and obviously podcast. Dave, you mentioned Schmeichel there um, for Denmark. Um, let's let's get into it. Let's get into Schmeichel. You and Paul are vital to this podcast. You have a lot of arguments, especially about the gigs and over my um, thing. Let's talk about Schmeichel. Peter Schmeichel, Denmark goalkeeper, Manchester United goalkeeper in the 90s, probably classed as the, one of the best in the world, if not the best in the world. We've had Seaman, Tafarel mentioned in the past. Can we... Give us your view, Dave. In world football, not just Premier League, in world football, where do you class Peter Schmeichel in one of the best of world football? In the I hate Peter Schmeichel. I hate Peter Schmeichel for obvious reasons. Ian Wright used to have pure beef with him. He, he, was, he was just a, a pain in the ass for anyone other than a Man United fan. But mm. I can't take away the fact that he was, he was quality. I have, you know, if we're going to talk on this sort of, sort of thing and put, do opinions, I can't be so biased to say not to be able to tell the truth. He was a brilliant goalkeeper. Um, in, in, sorry, to interrupt, in class of what? In class of the Premier League or world football? Was he, cla- it's, was it's, he class in the Premier League or the world I, football? I would say he was world class, but it's very okay. difficult to say world football when you're talking about Denmark. You know, like, mm. he's not playing in a world class... He's world class, but he's not playing in a world class team that are going to... I know they won Euro 92, don't get yeah. me wrong, but you're not talking to the Brazils of the world or the Argentinas of the world. If He's playing yeah. them teams. He's getting spoken about... I mean, he gets spoken about world class anyway, but he'll be spoken about differently, in my opinion. The fact that he plays for Denmark, people, people won't throw him in the world class bracket because they say, well, he, they, they, their team's not world class. Do you see what I mean? But I say yeah. he's a world class goalkeeper. He goes down as an all-time great, without doubt. Lovely. Paul, do you take issue with that? Seeing as Dave says world class in Denmark, obviously talking about the 90s, Denmark did win Euro 92. Do you, do you take issue with that? Because they did win it. Jermichael was a pivotal part. Was he not captain? I, I can't remember off the cuff. Was he captain? Was he a big part of that Euro 92 win? I don't know if he was captain, but he was he was part of the, the team and, and they won it. So, I don't, you know, I, 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 I don't buy into this whole international side of things. Oh, you have to do it at, at, at your club. Uh, sorry, your country. Because, mm. you know, you look at someone that plays at Scotland or a, an Egypt or something like that. So what, they're never going to be classed as world class. Egypt aren't really realistically going to win a World Cup, are they? So would you say that Mo Salah isn't world class or whoever or whoever, whoever it would be? Mm. I, I, this inter- it helps. I mean, if you're the top, top player in, and you play for a big club, like a, a, a sorry, a big country like Brazil or a... Uh, Uruguay, not Uruguay, uh, Argentina or uh, Spain, really. Then I think it becomes more important because yeah, a player yeah. that should should be winning or competing. So I, I've never been a fan of, and again, of the international side of things, it doesn't really do it for me. I think if you, you know, I think we spoke about Pele before in the past about how great Pele was supposed to have been. 
did he do it outside of Brazil? No. Did he do it in Brazil for Brazil? Yes. Mm. But what? So, so that makes him world class because he done it on what twenty games? How many? How many games in a World Cup when he won it? Six games, mm. eight games, if that. Mm. You, you know. Oh uh, yeah, I get that. Yeah. Let's so, uh, let's think. Yeah, no, no, I I agree. You 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 spot on, mate. Just for a second before we move on, obviously off the cuff, let's stick with that. We stick with the Schmeichel thing. And do, let's. I love this because you and you and Dave are here today and you're, you're big rivals of Arsenal, Manchester United, certain players. So, Paul, I'm going to ask you and I want Dave to chip in after. We're talking about world-class goalkeepers. We've had a discussion in the past. Tafarel, Oliver Kahn, Peruzzi, certain goalkeepers. In your opinion, Paul, let's get this down. Let, let's, let's nail this, OK? Let's nail this before we move on to our next season of the Phoenix Five. In your opinion, from the 1990s to the 1999 period, who was the best goalkeeper in world? football in your personal opinions put your bias aside who was the best you ever saw that made world-class save and you thought hang on a minute there's nobody better than this guy you answer and then i want dave to take over well it'd be schmeichel wouldn't it there's, there's, i've picked him twice so i can't go against schmeichel is there no one is there no one else though paul i know you're world football, that's my question. On the telly, yeah. but is there no one else uh Oliver Kahn, in terms of, was a, a good goalkeeper at Bayern Munich. Uh, was, I think was, he was slightly better than good, to be honest, Paul. Yeah, That's what I'm saying. World, in world football, yeah, to be honest. World class, yeah, he's world class. Um, but I've always, again, I've seen Schmarkel play 150 times. I've seen Kahn mm. play 22, maybe. So I, I, I'm only going from what other people are telling what me. you've seen, yes, I understand that. So it's impossible. Same as, as Holland. If he, if he had an argument for, Schm- uh, for Seaman... As an example, because obviously he's seen him for that period, and it's hard. I can't disagree with him because he would have seen Seaman more than me. But I would say then, then you then you would look at. I know you have stats, but then you would look at okay, what they've won over their mm. careers, what they performed uh, internationally. Then you can bring in other parts of it, and it's just yeah. an opinion. At the end of the day, I think, of course, and that that's a, uh, yeah, Michael for me would, would, would be, as I've said twice before, would be, be number one, Dave. Yeah, I've got no, like I say, I can't argue with that. Like I say, Paul is biased, no matter what he says. He was always going to say Schmeichel and say no one else. But I've, but admit, like, I've, I've, I've said I'm biased because it's a bias because you watch someone more than anyone else. You've got to have a biased side of it. And I've always stated that. I've never said and hid behind being non biased. Yeah, well, we know that because that's what you're like on every episode. Um, yeah, like I say, Schmeichel, <laughs> Schmeichel, Seaman, Khan, Peruzzi. There's, there's, uh, well, but would it have been Casillas? Would he have been around in the night? Who would have been around Madrid's goalkeeper in the night? Casillas in the nineties, would he? Yes, he was. Yeah, he was. Especially mid there's, to there's late nineties. Yeah, he'd be late nineties. Okay, then, yeah. Dave. Let's ask. Let's ask the question. Okay, if you was picking a world eleven, which obviously off the cuff, that's a, that's a fantastic because we're going to get onto that. Because you had a rant about that before. But before we get onto that, if you was picking your best world eleven from nineteen nineties to nineteen ninety nine. World eleven, Dave. Not Premier League or Europe. Your World eleven. Who would you put number one, mate? What in goal? Yeah, in goal. Yeah. Not Schmeichel. No. Who would you put number one? I would honestly. I'd. I would put. I'd put Khan ahead of Schmeichel. Mm-hmm. I'd put Oliver Reasons Khan. Reasons for you? Uh, like I say, Man United. I don't see. It's, it's like you say. It's off the cup. But that that Champions League final that they played Bayern Munich was that the only time Bayern Munich got into the Champions League final in the nineties? Yeah. And then from how memory, many, yeah. From memory, it's obviously off the cuff. So let's everyone like, can correct this I, on I, it. You know what it is. What I say is is more for. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Khan 
I know Paul doesn't like to talk about internationals, but I'm going to say because of the internationals. Germany, mm. internationally, uh, were well, machines anyway. Like yeah. I say, you say what you want about them, they turn up at tournaments, and Oliver Kahn would be a big part Agreed. of that. Yeah. And so for me, I would say they were fairly even club wise, but if, but you know if we if I've got to tip the balance, I'll tip on the balance because of internationals. Mm. But do you not and, think and, they're very similar goalkeepers anyway? That you're just picking one over the other. It's both big, both loud. No, both... I, I just I think Carm's a lot smaller than Schmeichel, Paul. To be honest, who I think Carm's slightly smaller than Schmeichel. They're very big, as in that you know they used to um, put their arms out, put their legs out. Yeah, it's a hard one, isn't it? It's a, it's a very hard one. I think I've, from memory, obviously, obviously it's off the cuff. Forget, don't start googling stuff because this is an off the cuff episode. I just remember. Can't be slightly a short goalkeeper, certainly like Tafarel. Do you remember um, Can't being short? Do you remember being a big commanding goalkeeper, Dave? Uh yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying. I would say, I would say, uh, off, off off memory that that Schmeichel, in my memory, would have had a bigger presence. Um, he was quite tall, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. They both they were both gobshites. That that we can both <laughs> agree on that. But, you know, but um, yeah. I, yeah, off the top of my head, I would say that Michael was the bigger mm. guy. But like I say, it's difficult because when you when you're comparing world class against world class, it's very difficult to split them. And this so, is why this lovely. This this is why now I need to move on now to the next subject. Um, obviously we haven't had a, a podcast with you on it the last couple of weeks. Obviously you've been busy for personal reasons. We understand that. We're back on it now, and we're doing off the cuff. And you brought me to the tension when me, Paul, and Lee Harper done our World Class 11 of the 90s. Um, we had a WhatsApp conversation on certain players that were involved that you weren't happy about. Um, I mentioned some of them and I want you to discuss them. Um, obviously, Paul McGrath, not our, our normal host, Paul McGrath, legendary. Um, he was involved. The actual Aston Villa and Manchester United centre-back. But Mark Overmars, from your Arsenal side, we had David Beckham involved, Roy Keane, you wasn't happy about the eleven, Dave. Um, can you elaborate on what you weren't happy about? <laughs> can you start on the Mark Overmars team because I find it quite strange. As you, as an Arsenal fan, you weren't happy about that, mate. I, I, I'm not unhappy with him being in. I, I've, cal- since I've calmed down, so you may not get the same rant you were going to get the day I, I listened to it <laughs> because that was that was just natural. <laughs> but I've calmed down since. But I just, I, the, the, my, I feel like Paul McGrath got away with murder, knowing that I wasn't there by some of the players that he was putting in. He he knows that if he had put them players in and I was in, he would have got the reaction from hell. So he got away with it. Mm. Um, I, I just I just can't see how every 11 we do, them three players are in it. Okay. Now, there's an argument to say that they are, because at the time they were, you know, for the themes that we were doing, Champions League. But there was 10 Champions Leagues in that season, I mean, I got to, in, that, in that decade, I mean, I got to one final. And yet, every time we do something like that, Beckham and fucking Keane get in. That, are those? So, uh, uh, sorry, Dave, to interrupt. Are those the players you've got an issue with, um, Keane and Beckham? No, no, no. Because uh, uh, the last couple of 11s we've done as well, Overmars got in, which is why I mentioned it as well. I didn't want to be so Man United heavy and just hammer Paul for the Man United players. So I threw in an Overmars, mm. to be okay. fair. Fair enough. Paul, sorry, Dave, come on. I just feel like we could have. Put, I mean, now don't ask me to name players because it's off the cuff. Yes, the cuff. Yeah. I know that was what was coming next. What, what's going to be in place of them? But, okay. um, but I just, I just feel that you know there must be other players out that we yeah. could, that we we could argue over. There was a well, lot. There was a lot of Champions League finals in in ten years and things like that. Yeah, but how many mm. of them Champions League finals did you watch realistically? Come on. 
Can no, I just interrupt, yeah. Paul? I'm, sorry, sorry. I just want, I want, I want Paul Javis to say. Um, but I just wanted to add. Do you, it was the World Eleven, not Champions League Eleven. We done Champions League Eleven. I think Dave's issue was the the, the, the World Eleven. Um, yeah. Paul, who did you put in for left left wing, mate? I can't remember. I had Nedved. Um, I can't remember who you. Who did you put, Paul? I can't remember. Vigo, was it? He put, he put in Paul McGrath. No, back. Ronald. I think it was Rivaldo. Paul put in. Rivaldo, didn't he? I put in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So can uh, going to yeah, Paul. Yeah, you so got a case for Rivaldo. No, I could have Rivaldo. Yeah, he I, made this. He made Rivaldo. the side. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. He made the side. But he didn't make the left wing. I love it when you two, are, your chemistry together. Okay, I'm going to go to Paul now. Um, Dave's an Arsenal fan. He's not happy with Mark Overmars being put in in the ninety the 90s side all the time. Paul, can you can you mention any be- better left wing um, plays in the nineties? There's one that brings you G. Uh, <laughs> you might get onto, but go on, take it away. Uh, what's his issue? Do you know? Over, I don't know. I like Overmars, so I, you know. I think he just said that to to, to try and balance it out. But I, I, I yeah. As I said in the first one we did, we've done the first first eleven, and everyone's when I said a few things, and then I came back and retracted it in the future pod because I said actually no, um, you know yeah he was he was phenomenal, um, so no I think he, I think he, he was, he's worth a place in that team definitely. Mm. No, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying he isn't. I'm not. I'm not saying the players you put in aren't what you say they are. I'm just saying is that we're talking we're talking about the well. And yet these two, the way that these like we're in the Champions League and they're in the world one. And so we've widened the scope of players we can use and they're still getting in. Like, don't get me wrong, they were good, but were they that where they, you know, I know you're gonna say Keane was but for me, I've got you know, Keane, I, I can I can accept Keane to an extent. Beckham, but uh, can I okay, better right backs than Beckham? I'm just, sorry. Just right stop for a sorry. second. Yeah, I I yeah, you've got some valid points there, mate. So we spoke about last time, we spoke about London clubs. Um, actually, viewers, this was Dave Holland's idea. Unfortunately, he wasn't with us. Me and Paul covered it. Um, we had some good feedback about it. It was great. Um, Dave, um, we're going to London clubs. Um, we love your, your input. We spoke, Me and Paul spoke a lot about Arsenal and Tottenham. Um, Arsenal in the 90s, very successful under George Graham. Obviously, um, Paul's a massive George Graham fan. Not a massive George Graham fan, but he's a bigger George Graham fan than Arsenal. Um, than Arsene Wenger, um, should, I, should I say. Uh, I think I've asked this question to you before. This is literally off the cuff, so I don't know what I'm saying, but Arsene Wenger or, or George Graham in the 90s? Um, one nil to Arsenal, obviously. But success-wise, who do you think was more successful, mate, during that 1990 to 1999 period under your club? Uh, I, can't, I can't disagree with what Paul's... I, I prefer Arsene Wenger, I prefer the way he plays football, but you know, like winning's winning. Don't get me wrong. And I said about this one nil to the Arsenal stuff. I'm not a fan of defensive football. I'm never, I'm, you know, Mourinho. I can't stand the way he plays football. Paul, Paul does like all that stuff, which is fair yeah. enough. So I prefer Wenger. But um, in 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 the 90s, we won an FA Cup and league in 98. George Graham won the Cup Winners Cup, and then was in the final the year after. I I was I would say in the 90s, yeah, I, I could agree probably. He was more successful in that decade than Wenger. Um, so I can't disagree with that. But I still prefer Wenger because of the way he played football. He changed the way football was played in England, in England um, for the better for me. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I, I, I would say I, I can't disagree that in the 90s. Overall, I would say overall, I would say Wenger was, was more successful. But in that period, yeah, I would, I would say that um, Graham edges it purely for the European um, 
European trophy. Hey, oh, success. Sorry, Let me ask the question. Do you think Wenger should have left earlier, Dave? Do you, do you think uh, 2000, maybe 2009, 2010, I think PSG came in from, Barcelona came in from maybe Real Madrid as well. Do you think he should have gone on, A, to test himself somewhere else, and B, do you think Arsenal would have then been able to attract a better calibre of manager and you would have stayed challenging? See, the thing, I, I always had, a, had an issue with the Wenger out thing because, and I, and I, I, never, I never once said it. And um, because purely... It, Better the devil you know, and you've got to be careful what you wish for. And what you know, he's gone. I know he left us in a bit, you know, in the, the squad in a bit of a state and was not really recovered, but no one's really come in and set the world alight, have they? But, um, but, but going back to your question, um, uh, you know, you say he should have gone, but you see that some of the teams that he, I know you say, oh, Champions League, fourth place, and Arsenal treat like a trophy, and they more or less did. But he got us. He got, it used to be some of the squads that he got asked to into the top four. It with, it, it's it's amazing. Some of the players in them squads, honestly, if that, if Arteta's got them players now, we are fighting relegation. That's <laughs> you know, like so, you know, you've got a. It, it, hindsight's a wonderful thing, and should he have gone? Maybe, maybe well, he may be, but he did. Uh, he loved. I mean, I say he loved the club. He was the most highest paid manager ever. So that you know that might have kept him there, mm. but yeah, you know you you would uh, the, the last few years was it was torrid for him. So you, you know you never say it, but maybe would maybe thought he should have jumped. Okay, so let's move on to the next thing off the cuff. Um, keeping it nineties, Paul. I want to start with you. What's not your best memory? What's your first memory of any nineties football tournament you remember? I.e., World Cups, Euros, FA Cup, League Cup. What's your first memory, mate? Of tournament, uh, well, it'd be Euro '96 in terms of the uh, the the tournament that I really, as I said, engaged in. Um, but outside of that, yeah, I don't know. I think that was I think '94 to '96 when I started really getting into football. So it's mm. kind of I was always you know playing it, but not watching it as much at, at that yeah. stage. Obviously, we came to school, and we watched the match of the days and watched the, the Serie A. But in terms of tournament, as I said, I don't remember much about the. I remember having the. The Italian is it the Italian ninety? I remember having some replica the football. Yeah. I remember USA ninety four, but mm-hmm. just sporadically. I couldn't tell you much about it, but I remember. Who do you remember a particular? Sorry, mate. Do you do you remember a particular side or a particular player or players that you that stuck in your memory back then? You think, oh bloody, hell, he was good, and it actually got you the vibe into football. No, I no, not really. No? I can't remember if anyone off the top of my head. No. I think it was more we played it really and watched it. And then again, if we was researching it, and uh, you'll probably come across names and think, oh, yeah, I forgot about him. Um, mm. But not off the top of my head, I, I would say no, not probably not. Dave, same question to you. What's your earliest memory of telev- uh, football on the TV, i.e., World Cups, European Championship, FA Cups, or League Cups, even? And something you watch on the telly, you thought, oh, blimey, I love this. I remember him, her, not so her, sorry, not her, but I remember. <laughs> You know what I mean? Go on, take it, take it off me, mate. I I remember, I remember when um, Arsenal won the, the Cup Winners' Cup. Alan Smith scored one nil. I'm sure it was a header. I've never seen it since, but I've always remembered it. And then the year after that, that's when he um, Seaman got done naive from the halfway line. But yeah. I remember USA '94, and I can the most famous player I think I'll say famous, the most recognised player from US, um, USA '94 would be Carlos Valderrama. Yeah, yeah, actually, just, yeah. Just, you just, just for his hair, but also Taparel. Because he had yes. a bald head, didn't he? He had hair like no, that. No, now, sorry, that was that was Ravelli from Sweden. Thomas Ravelli had the bald head. 
Taffrail by the full end of it. Taffrail has a ball in as well with a bit missing on the top, no? Have I got that bit wrong? Uh, possibly. This is off the cuff. You might be right, Dave. I'm not going to correct you, but he possibly... But I know it, he had some went, hair. I, mean... I may have it wrong. I may have... He had some hair, out, yeah. But... But that, I definitely ain't messed up Valderrama. He was the he was the most uh, he was the most remembered player from there off the top of your head. Everyone remembers Valderrama, don't they? So you said that name, yeah. and I wouldn't have remembered that. But now you've said it. And the minute you said, it, I was like, oh, yeah, definitely, hundred percent, remember that, hundred percent. Yes, he was. Yeah, he he was the and first I, I, kind of our in our era who set a star, I reckon, or like a familiar face. Whereas you just you knew him. Because of what he's done, like just the look of him. Yeah, yeah, good, good, good shout that one, Holland. Good also, shout. Also, remember from the USA '94, uh, Maradona being off his absolute beak, running into the camera when he scored. And his fucking pupils were like saucers, and then he got <laughs> sent home, didn't he? He did, yeah, yeah. It's a major, it's a that. major thing, yeah. Because I'll tell you why. Because they were refurbing this Cleverly estate at that time, and we got moved into another flat on this on the estate. Uh, for a few, for a, it might have been a year or so, and I remember that the highlights for USA '94 were on late, and I had the TV in the room, and I used to watch some of the highlights before I went to bed to come to school. Mm. And um, and yeah, the reason I remember that is because we wasn't living in our normal flat. I'd been in uh, number twenty for like, all my life, but we, for six months or whatever it was, we were moved out, and it was at USA '94, which is why I remember it. It's weird the things mm. you remember, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did your mum and dad tell you it was like a holiday? And then you just like two doors down, they went, Oh, Dave, we're going on holiday, pack your bag. <laughs> I, I was I was so poor that I never got holidays, Paul. So um, you know, <laughs> it did feel like holidays it goes. We moved across the estate. <laughs> oh, that, brilliant. That was actually you say that, Dave. That was actually the summer was between the um from our primary school to um secondary school. That's why I remember it. That's what that's why it's my first ever World Cup. I remember I I've um Stated in our last or second from last podcast about George Hadji, he was a, he was a player I first remember being obsessed with in that World Cup. Um, yeah, remember Valderrama? Let's stick with Valderrama for a member for a bit. Um, I stick with you, Dave. Do you do you remember Valderrama as being a great player? Because he he was a good player for my memory. Do you remember him as a great player? Or do you just remember him from his hair? Because to me, to it's honest, just his hairstyle. I don't remember him being a great player at all. It, it, it was purely for his hair. We were kids at the time. Yeah. He had this big, massive blonde afro. And did, yeah. kids who were like, bloody hell, look at him. And so it's it purely for his hair. I couldn't tell mm. you a single thing he'd done with a ball. I just know I, I just know his hair from a mile off. Mm. Well, he, he was the American, he was um he played in America, he was the first, he was a Colombian playing in America at the at the American tournament, wasn't he? So it's obviously uh, USA 94, and he was actually a, a, a relevant player playing for Colombia. I mean one of the only players really that was a non-USA player playing on the world stage. Um, and then obviously his look was quite idolised because of it. So he I might be wrong, but I think he really gave the USA soccer scene a, a lift because mm. he, he was a decent player for Colombian midfield. So playing for on the world stage, you know, where is he playing? Is MLS at the time? I think he was one of the first players. If you think MLS football, he's now one of the first players that a lot of people think of about superstar players, so to speak, who went over to MLS in their career. Um, but yeah, I, I can't remember much about him, as you said. But I think if if you're talking about like have, uh, leaving a statement on MLS football, I think he was quite important to that uh, their, mm. their brand uh, awareness almost. Okay, yeah, I like that, Paul. You know, you, you probably it now the head there, mate. I, I do remember literally. So I remember being a good player. I don't remember being a great player. But as you're talking about USA '94, here's a question for us. I'll continue with you, Paul. 
during the 99 period, you can you can use the USA 94 as your uh, as a, a template if you like. Um, who would you say your favorite player was during the night that 90s decade outside of Europe? That's a question for you. Outside of Europe, so forget the Premier League, forget Serie A, um, the Spanish League, Portuguese League, etc. Who would you who would you have said during that 10 year period or nine year period, so to say, 1990 to 1999? Who would you have said, well, actually, world class? I'd have loved him because obviously you've been a Manchester United fan. I'd have loved him on my side. Who would you have said you're the best player off the cuff? You thought was the best player in the 1990s, mate? Well, again, it's limited. It's a hard one, isn't it? It is because you're limiting, uh, you know, who I can... Personally, I'd go for a Brazilian player or Argentinian. Though. Well, I would say in terms of... Yeah. Seeing, it's got to be someone who played for Real Madrid or Barcelona, like a Rivaldo, Ronaldinho, players like that. Or, mm. you know, Ronaldo, as in Brazilian Ronaldo. Players like that that we've seen uh, highlights of. But I would probably yeah. say a lot of those have been highlights I saw in later. Not necessarily my memories wouldn't serve me from that period. Because... Yeah you're you don't appreciate what, what you appreciate then to now you know or, or when you're in your prime so when i was 20 and really into football and, you, and youtube wasn't around but you could still get the videos you know of, mm. of things and, and sky sports was showing uh highlight reels of other players and stuff so then you all of a sudden you pick that that period oh pick that period up where you're thinking oh okay god he was that good he, he was amazing so it's a difficult one it's a difficult one but yeah i would say someone like a Rivaldo, Ronaldinho, uh, were fantastic players I would like to have seen. Dave? Um, yeah, I agree with what Paul said. I, I, I don't think you can look uh, past R9 for the, in the 90s. I think yeah. R9, you know, I know we go on about him a lot. He's another one. I didn't, you know, when uh, he's at the World 11s, he, he, it's very difficult not to put him in. And, um, but yeah, no, R9's got to be, the, he's one of the best strikers, if not the best striker in the world. So mm. it, it, it's very hard to say, but I like, I like, and I, I have looked at Mark. I like the Hadji shout. I like Storchkov as well. Um, they're those type of players, um, you know. So, uh, yeah, for me, it's got to be R nine. Zidane as well, but like Paul said, Zidane come on late. Um, France had some good players as well, especially talking them in that '98 World Cup when that, that you had your Kaevs, you had all them lot. Um, there's loads of players you could rattle off. So there was there were some there were some good ones. The early nights are difficult because we were so young. So we can we, we get to '96 to 2000. Mm. You know that's when you get the most out of us. But yeah, um, yeah, there's, there's numbers of players. But yeah, okay. for me, our nine's got been the best player we've ever seen in the, in that Definitely. period. I'm Definitely stick it. Yeah, love. I I um, I haven't really had a much of an input. More of a question answer today. Uh, question uh, question answer the. Uh, <laughs> Dave, we got we're doing unedited, but I'm going to Wait, say I'm more of the guy. It's asking the questions. Fucking hell! Right, okay, right, okay. Then Dave, as you was continuing, there, I'll ask you. But sit off the cuff. What is the best? What's the best football ground you've ever been for for atmosphere? Right, don't misquote me. For atmosphere, not for how the stadium looks. Obviously, in today's football, you look at Tottenham as an arena. You think, wow, magnificent, etc. Yeah. Forget that atmosphere. What is the best ground you've ever been to? And it's just a basic nineties. It's from the nineties up until present day. I'm going. I'm stretching further afield. What's the best atmosphere you've ever been to, mate? It won't be Highbury. Library. No, I can agree with that. I've been there myself. It was boring. the old library. I'll never. I'll never be able to look anyone in the face if I come on this podcast and said the library. Um, <laughs> Celtic Park. 
I've, I've mentioned okay. the game before. Celtic, I've never, I've never seen anything like it. And I said to you before, it was only Falkirk who they played against. I've yeah. never ever seen anything like it in my life. That's really and, um, weird, isn't it? So you say Falkirk, that's how passionate they, they take it. That's this is what I mean. They can get up for anything. Like I say, yeah. I was, it was Celtic versus Arsenal in a friendly. I said it before, and I took my dad, and they were the same at a friendly. They were the same at a friendly. Um, yeah, they, they've got the, for me. They've got the best fans in the world. And uh, yeah, that, that was that was just the best thing I've ever seen. Fantastic, Paul. Yeah, I've got I've, I've, yeah for me White Hart Lane. I think um, I've I've been to Old Trafford a few times, and uh, it's I've had good nights there. But I've never been to like a, one of the the top top games there. Uh, I've never seen like an Arsenal uh, United at, at United or an Arsenal Liverpool. So that the atmosphere might be it. But I've been to Spurs quite a bit, and I must say in the old White Hart Lane. I've saw them play Chelsea, Arsenal, Man United, and uh, yeah, them versus Chelsea. The atmosphere in that ground was electric. So that was my best um, football ground. It's also quite intimate, quite small, and you know you had twenty or thirty odd thousand people, and it did feel like sixty, seventy thousand people. And I think that's that's a, a, a very important part of the atmosphere. So yeah, I would say White Hart Lane for me. Mm. Yeah, I was going to say, like, because obviously um, before I moved up to the West Midlands, I was a Fulham um, season ticket holder. I used to go home and away. Um, Old Trafford was very quiet until they scored. And it, it, the roar was massive. I mean, it's nothing. Like, I've never heard anything as loud as that. Yeah. But for atmosphere, I went to um, Portals of Fulham. I think it was like 2003, 2004. Before I moved up to the West Midlands, we were both mid-table. We had nothing to play for. I was sitting in the away end. Um, Fratton Frat Park, obviously, old ground, tight mm. ground. Um, mm. and they started singing from as soon as the, the, the ball was kicked. I think, well, what you've got nothing to sing for, it's a bit weird. And they sung and they sung and they sung. Obviously, the Fulham fans were there, they started us singing. It's normally the Wave fans started singing, and the atmosphere for 90 minutes was electric. And we both had nothing to play for. And when I spoke to people in, in the past and recently, I speak to them, they, they frown at me, and I say, No, no, no. You're misunderstanding me. I'm, I'm talking about the atmosphere, not the ground itself. That's a different conversation. The atmosphere. The atmosphere was electric. Fratton Park, Portsmouth was absolutely brilliant. On the, I went on my own. My old man didn't want to come that day. I wish he did, to be fair. It's one of the best atmospheres for a sort of a, a non-game. Do you know what I mean? It was a, it was a sort of a, not even a free point. It was just a, a game that if they won, if we won, it, it meant nothing. It was a fantastic atmosphere. I really enjoyed it. Uh, uh, yeah. Dave, go on. I have to totally agree. I've been to Fratton Park and I went for with my granddad for uh, West Ham versus Portsmouth, mm. and I totally agree with everything you said. I've never—they they were brilliant. Remember that big tattoo fucker who bangs the drum with the top yeah, off? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember yeah, him. Yeah, you could spot him a mile away from there. I think he starts it all, doesn't he? Yeah, um, amazing atmosphere. It was amazing. It was. I so I agree with what you're yeah. saying there. I, I just went there as a neutral. Just yeah, I, I was up yeah. there, and it was a. Talking was, about yeah, yeah, no, it was Dave. It was the best atmosphere. Not we're not, not talking grounds because that's another another issue. But that yeah. uh, atmosphere amazing. But talking about let's go on to grounds. Um, we're obviously we're all born in West London. Me and Paul done this episode not so long ago. Um, I lived the furthest away from you three. It's only a ten minute walk. But obviously, Dave, you lived about probably about a ten minute walk. If that, Paul lived a two minute walk. Let's talk about QPR. Um, we have to. No, let's because no, it's off the cuff. I'm the host. Let's talk about QPR. <laughs> Um, the ground is so close to the players. It's so tight. 
And Paul, you mentioned, you, you said, do we have to? Do you think it makes a difference? Because QPR, I think it's like an 18, 18 19,000 capacity. When it's round, it's a fantastic atmosphere. Do you I've, think I, how no, being... No, run. I, I no? don't, I, I don't, no, I've never been, a, I don't think it's, it's got a great atmosphere in QPR. I've, I've been quite... Okay, go on, explain. But I do get the small, the small ground thing and being close to the pitch and all that stuff. I do get it, but... I, um, I've never been to QPR, and again, I'm not a QPR fan, so I, I might be turning out of turn. But I've never felt like there's more than what there's in the ground there. It, it's thirteen thousand capacity. It feels like it's no, it's not. 000. It's not thirteen thousand capacity. 18, it tells about eighteen, nineteen. Well, eighteen. That's what it feels like. It's never. I've never been to a game that's felt like it's forty, fifty, sixty thousand people in attendance. We're well, not gonna if it holds nineteen, are you? That's, that's well, no. Silly. If you go to some grounds and they're small grounds, that you, you can turn, look around, you, there'll be. 30,000 people where it could feel like 60 or 90,000 people mm. because the stadium, the way it's laid out, you can go to the Emirates now. How many, what's the capacity there, Dave? Is it 56,000 at the Emirates? 60,000. 60,000. And it feels like about 30,000 people are in there. So, yeah, it, but them old grounds, these new grounds are like that. Like, that's what I miss the old grounds. I miss all these old grounds. QPRs, the old stadiums, you're full. When it's full, Dave. The when QPRs, it's full. Yeah, you can't you can't beat them when you're close to the pitch and all that. Like West Ham's new stadium, they've got a running track around it. Oh, fuck yeah. off, like they're, they're they're playing crowd noise in and all this crap. It's 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 crap. Okay, I, I, Dave's made a fantastic point, and I'll stay with you, Dave. And I, I, I'd have thought about this the other day. Obviously, uh, staying off the cuff, obviously, viewers. Um, Tottenham Hotspur's new stadium structure, not so much architect because it's it's literally off the catalogue to me. It's, if you want to extend it, you go off the roof. But it is an amazing stadium in this in 2021. For atmosphere, for intensity, for intimidation, if you like, here's a question for you, Dave. This is for Dave for the moment. As a player, Dave, as if you were a professional player, forget the jokes, etc. Would you have rather played at Tottenham Hotspur's new ground, away from all the fans, the shit atmosphere, which it is, let's be fair, you can't swear anymore. There's all lots of things that go with it. Or would you, have liked, would you have rather played at a ground like, I don't know, the old den, where it was um, caged off, the fans, a, a packed old den, might I say, a packed old den, where it's close to the ground, the intimidation, the swearing, the, um, everything that goes with it, you know, the fear, the fear factor, the wanting to score, the, the passion, the emotion. Take it from there, Dave. What would you have preferred? That's just an, ex, an, that's an ex, example. The old the old den, not new den, the old den or something like that. Um, a new Tottenham Hotspur. What would you rather play that, mate, from your personal experience? Well, you all know that I'm double hard, so I'll go into the Lions then and have it. Now, <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, 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 yeah, no, you've got these these pampered players today. They want to be playing in, in the stadiums they're playing in, where there's no there's no fear factor, um, nothing to worry about. No, but I asked you. I asked you. I asked you. Not not. Oh players, me, not me. No, I know. I would like to play. In, I like the old stadiums. We're born in yeah. the 80s when it was when it when the men were men and all that a proper tackle and all that mm. stuff. I'd want to be playing there where, 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 it's, where it's all going around on around you. It's uh, it's close to you, you know. I don't think no one's going to get hurt, but you know, like the the fans are right up on you. A lot of the a lot of the real fans can't even afford to go to the, the stadiums these days. Let, so mm. it's it's full of it's full of all corporate stuff, which is what these stadiums are built for. Paul's touched on it before. He's into all the financial side, of it. but it is it's it's. That's what it's brought for, and um, but now for me, it's got to be um, it's got to be the old style stadiums. I miss them, like I say, mm. and uh, I know everyone's got to move with the times and stuff like that. But 
uh, football's not the same with a bit like that. So all these teams that haven't had their grounds redone, like your Fulhams and your QPRs and uh, and teams like that. Well, Fulham's um, being done now. It's gonna. It's gonna. Be, Fulham's is being done now with a fucking swimming pool on the roof. Hmm. Oh yeah, go yeah, on. Uh, take uh, over. Yeah, what's their capacity going to be? Yeah. Uh, Same question to you. I'm not too sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. The old ones are much better. There's no doubt about that. I think you know. But but what Dave said was right. I know you're asking us, but in terms of the players, I mean that's a it, it is a thing. The players now would rather play in the grounds because it's about the spectacular spectatorship or the you know the 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 vastness and looking around and soaking in that massive stadium that they're playing in when they used to play in the park. Whereas back in the day, you wanted to play in, in the Lions then you wanted to pr- prove yourself and you wanted to get one over on the fans. And, you know, Adebayor is a, a more modern one I would use. You know, Adebayor, when he, he ran half the way up this pitch, wasn't it? For, was, it, uh, mm. was, it was he Spurs at the time, Dave? No, he was, no, he was at City. It's Man City, so wasn't he? He was at City and he ran all the way up the other end of the pitch, you know? Yeah. Imagine him trying to do that if that was like, a, you know, a, a Millwall ground or something like that. It, it, it's... You've got that protection almost now that you, you know there's nothing going to really happen. But back in the day, you didn't know. It did feel like, oh, and you did up your game, I would imagine, because you wanted to make sure that the fans weren't on your back from the minute you kicked the ball. So, yeah, modern modern grounds, again, football moved on. So it, it changes to that now. The modern grounds are for modern footballers and for modern fans. And it, it, it looks better on TV than it does going to a dilapidated, you know, Craven Cottage and looking at that overhead on the cameras and the, and the uh, what do you call it, VAR, trying to get cameras in positions in these older grounds is more difficult. Um, so, yeah, that, that's one for me, I would say. Definitely the older older stadiums. Yeah, no, so, I can say Alfie, Alfie put on an old, uh, the Arsenal game in 98. He, he downloaded it on Sky today um, when Arsenal had to beat Everton at Highbury. And that's when Tony had you know, the statue. When he does it, he does the statues outside where he stands up there, scores the winner. I was at the Springbok um, scored that goal. Yeah, and it's and it showed and it showed that obviously it was at Highbury and that's what makes me you know I do miss I do miss that I would like to have gone there to Highbury now as an adult you know like because I only went there as a kid yeah and uh, and then took it in that way but um, like I say I feel like you know like it's, I mean it's never going to happen but they should they should try and keep the tradition when they're building these stadiums but they're not going to are they when they have well to be, so. fair, to be fair to Spurs I must say. They they built theirs and they had people come in. Um, I'm I'm sure from Dortmund because they they wanted to recreate the yellow wall that Dortmund have at, at White Hart Lane. I haven't been to the new stadium. Um, and I've been sorry, I've been to the new stadium and I, but I haven't been. Well, it's like a, again a top game, and I think you've got that. Um, they've tried to recreate that atmosphere there. So obviously, there's been no fans in the ground for the last eighteen months. So it, we won't know fully yet if that's if that's been replicated or not. But we are running out of time, Graham. Well, Graham, just just quickly, I think we're going to do. I was just saying to Holland before you came back on. This is like the the end of the season now, kind of episode. So we've we've kind of gone over some old episodes, which is we've okay. Been here, yeah. So maybe we just talk about old interviews we've done, our favorite interviews we've done, or a bit more on the flops, or a bit more on them. Okay, yeah, yeah, that, 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 that's great. Okay, then. So I'll start with you, Paul. You've mentioned it. Um, talk about the season before we get onto our quiz, our end of season quiz. Um, episodes, players, interviews. What's been your favourite um, moment of the season so far? Then, do you know what? I mean, we, we started the pod. When was it in March? Was that? Am I thinking that? Oh, right? that yeah. no, January. We started the pod in January, so February, March, April, May, June, July, August. No, January, very March, April, May, June. So in six months, um, we've had you know nearly twenty-four episodes, including guests, maybe a few more, um, and we've grown quite quickly. And some of the guests we've had have been really, really good. 
I think my favourite guest still, and we've got obviously uh, this is the end of the the, the the two seasons now. We've had other guest interviews that we haven't posted yet, and they will be coming up over the next couple of weeks. Um, but my favourite one's still been Robbie Musto. I think that's that's been my highlight. In terms of star power, in terms of when you look at someone and think, fucking hell, we've got, you know, absolute legend. Uh, I think Nigel Winterburn was was really good as well. But we've been very lucky because I think everyone that we've interviewed is all have all been really good. And I think they're all part of 90s football culture almost. There's not many players that you... you An average fan that knew football in the 90s, if you said Rule Fox, chances are they're going to know who he was. Robbie Musto. Yeah, definitely, yeah. You know, they're quite decent names and everyone's been very kind to give us a lot of time and um, we've been very fortunate. So I, I enjoyed the Robbie Musto one from the ones that have been posted the most, but then also enjoyed the Stephen Encho one. I thought that was quite insightful. Uh, mm. Yeah, so I, I've enjoyed all of them. I mean, there hasn't been really an episode that I haven't enjoyed that we've, that we've done. And again, we've only been going for less than six months and I think we've done it incredibly well as, as lockdown has eased it's been more and more challenging to edit it and to get us all together in a room, all five of us, and then the Euros are on and things like that. So obviously we're taking a break now till sort of September time when the, when the winter sets back in, everyone's a bit more calm and hopefully a bit more settled. But yeah, and no, I've enjoyed all of them. Very, very much so. Dave, before we move on to me, um, your favourite moment of the series so far, mate? Yeah, it's Nigel Winterburn. I was sort of starstruck with it. You know, like it's, you know, Paul's been trying to get a Man United player and we nearly got Brian Robson. Didn't we, Paul? Yeah. And um, and I'm sure he would have been starstruck if we had him on there, you know. But it's just, it, it was, you know, like we 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 do questions, but because when you've got a player in your team, or, you know, who I grew up with, I didn't need it because you could just remember stuff and just rat. It was brilliant. It was really, really good. But yeah, I agree with Paul. Robbie Musto was, I liked, I liked the Stefan Honcho one. You could have a laugh with him. Mm. Um, but the one, the, uh, well, it hasn't come out yet, but Tony Dorigo mugging me off, that's that broke my heart. Um, but <laughs> it, it sort of, when, um, but I, obviously, I wasn't at the Brian Dean one. And when he done you up, uh, Graham, he said, he did you me, called yeah. him Dean. Uh, Dean so yeah. it, sort, it sort of softened the blow when Tony Dorigo comes out and goes, How many caps <laughs> did you get? So, <laughs> but no, like, like what Paul said, for, for us to just be messaging them and, and, them, and them coming back and t- saying to us, Yeah, and, and it's, it's been amazing for, like, for the only few months that we've done it. And we've managed to get on probably what eight guests. And like you say, at Alfie's football, I tell some of the bloke, the dads there, and I rattled off Rule Fox. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember him. You know, like, and things like it's just, it's just been brilliant. Mm. And, uh, yeah, love doing it. And uh, mm-hmm. hopefully we'll come back. We'll come back in September or October, whenever you boys want to do it, and we'll uh, give it another bash. Oh, yeah. And see if we can get some more on, more guests on. Yeah, no, it's been great. Lovely. I'll put my pen in, yeah. I think my favourite, it's, it's got to be Rule Fox. Um Really, because he was the first guest we ever had on. He was a big coup for us. I mean, I've got to give Paul all the credit. he done all the hard work. Paul McGrath did. Um, he found Rule Fox. Rule Fox agreed to come on. And it was just it was just a lovely bloke. Um, for me, watching Rule Fox as a child, being not so much obsessed with him, but I think, wow, to watch Rule Fox, I was sort of in awe of him when I spoke to him. I was quite nervous. Um, we've done interviews in the past, and I felt quite at ease, if I say. Uh, but Rule Fox, yeah. Fantastic, fantastic player, fantastic guest. I'd love to have him on again. Um, we've done some great episodes. We've had some laughs. We've had some arguments. But yeah, it's been it's been really good. Um, it's a difficult episode. We're doing it off the cuff. It's really hard. Um, anything we've got wrong, people, please let us know. Sports Social.
Social Podcast Network.